going to move on and have our reading in a few moments. But first, I wanted to ask you, what's the best letter that you have ever received? I wonder what that would be, what your answer would be. And um, maybe it's one that you received years ago and you've treasured, maybe from somebody special. I wonder what that letter would be. I know for me, one of mine, I, I tend to tuck these things away in a memory box and get them all out occasionally and have a read. But I know one of mine is a letter that was written when I was baptized. That was a tradition of the church that I went to at the time that the ministers and the elders of that place, when you were baptized, wrote a letter. And it was almost like a prophecy and a very prayerful letter. And um, it was full and it is full of all that they hoped I'd become in Jesus. And I do get that letter out on occasion and reread it for encouragement and challenge as I journey with God. Well, this year, our Advent sermon series focuses on letters. Letters to the seven churches found in the book of Revelation. And um, it's thanks to John Tiller who helped us group those letters into pairs for these coming weeks and we're going to journey through them this Advent together. And it'd be really helpful if you could get your Bibles out and turn to page 1234, nice easy page number, but that will help you as we hear our reading in a few moments and as we explore this together. The letters to the churches were written to the Christian churches in seven of the towns in Asia Minor. And they were sent as a circular letter to be read aloud in the meetings of the people there. And they were written in the form of a prophecy, probably about 80 or 90 years after the death of Jesus. And um, interestingly, it didn't take very long because already by that point, these are churches that had been established long enough to display between them a full range of spiritual conditions. And so the message to these churches is twofold, to offer encouragement where that was needed, but also to offer challenge where the churches were needing that as well, and to encourage and inspire them on in their journey with God. And as we work through these letters in the coming weeks, you'll see a pattern emerging. They're each different because they're written to a specific church, but there is this pattern as well. There's a description of Christ that begins each letter, and then there's details of the sender, and then there's this message which is for that particular church. And then each one ends with a command and a promise. And I don't know whether you've read Revelation very much and what you think of it, because opinions differ very much. Some people love it, and others try to read it and give up and think it's just one of those strange books. Because it's full of mysteries, both in the modern sense of the word as well as the biblical sense and although these letters to the churches are to be grappled of course with the mind they also should appeal to our imagination we need eyes to grapple with the mystery that they hold 
And the word revelation comes from the Greek unveiling. And so it's my prayer that much will be revealed and unveiled to us this Advent. And I'm really expectant of that for us as a church. So why are we choosing this for our Advent sermon series? Well, just as Jesus spoke to the churches all those years ago, I really believe that he wants to speak to us in this time and this place. And so we're really expectant for that. And there's this repeated phrase that you'll hear as we go through these letters. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so I do believe that God has much to say for us as individuals and as a church family here. And we need to have the ears to hear that. So this Advent, we are being called to watch and wait with him, to stop and to open our ears to his voice speaking to us. And that's my encouragement for each one of us as we journey throughout this sermon series. So let me pray for us. Father God, we do ask that you would give us ears to hear, to hear your voice speaking to us in this place, both as individuals and as a family together. I pray that through these letters we would be changed and that you would inspire us on in our walk with you and shape us into the church that you want us to become. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning we're going to focus on two of these letters, the first and the third. And what we're going to do, slightly different this morning, and I'm really thankful to you for going with it. We're going to hear the letter, then I'm going to help us just briefly to explore it, and then I'm going to leave us just with a few questions to ponder. And this service is one where there is the space to be able to do that. So I'm going to just have a few minutes to do that, and then... um, A little while after that, we're going to come back to the second letter and then I'll help us to explore that. So it's first to Ephesus that we turn our attention. So Ellie's going to come and read that letter to us. To the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Excuse me. Consider how far you have fallen Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. 
you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Thank you, Ellie. So, Ephesus, one of the great cities of the ancient world, and so too was the church there. The Apostle Paul spent a fruitful time of ministry in that place. And if we're to think of it in terms of our church in this, in the UK today, it's probably Holy Trinity Brompton. It's a big, well-known church. And at the outset, at the beginning of this letter, it's really powerful to see that Jesus is speaking to his church there as one who stands amongst them, not just one who watches from afar inactive. The image of the seven churches are depicted as seven lampstands and this image of the seven stars which he holds in his hand. And this serves powerfully as a visual reminder that their life comes from him as a church, that they are upheld by him, and that therefore they are subject to his power. Their life as a church is carefully watched by him as he moves among them. I know your works. And here is a church which on the surface there is great enthusiasm for the gospel. Their works, perseverance and enthusiasm are all to be commended and especially the value that they place on having the right beliefs. There are people who gladly endure suffering and who will not stand for false teaching. There's much good happening. You hear almost that image of them being very active and um, doing so much good. But when all is said and done, it's not enough. Because in their keenness for the truth, the church at Ephesus has lost their love. The one quality without which all others are useless and worthless. They've lost their love for God and also they've lost their love for one another because each naturally flows out from one another. When our hearts are right and full and overflowing with love for God, we can't help but that, let that love flow out for one another. But here is a church where something is wrong. You've forsaken your first love. I commend your works, but where is your love? Because on that, your very survival as a church stands. And it's worth noting that of all the seven letters to these churches in Revelation, only two are threatened with actual destruction, and Ephesus is one. The case against it, simply but crucially, that it lacks love and devotion to God and to one another. And it shows us how seriously God takes the love and devotion that we offer him and the way that we love one another. And if we're to be honest, such a failure is all too possible for us too. 
as individuals and as a church. And therefore, surely the same warning applies. We can go through the motions, we can appear on the surface to be a wonderful church, saying and doing all the right things, being very active, and yet our hearts can be cold or lukewarm in our love for God. And so too can our love for one another, therefore. And as Christians in this place, we're not immune to that either. And I want to say thank you for the love that is shown to one another, the way in which so many of you selflessly love one another and love us as leaders as well. That is, it means so much and it really builds up the body here. But sometimes it's not the case and it can be so hurtful and when we know of that speaking badly of one another and um, speaking behind one another's backs and not building one another up in love. It's not the way in which God wants us to be as a family here together. And the letter here just shows that to us once again. The message is clear. We don't simply want to be a church that appears to believe all the right things. We want to be a church that genuinely loves one another and is devoted to God and that love for God that flows out to one another in this place. The letter shows us three simple things that we're called to do, that they were called to do, and it's so helpful for us as well. Three things, remember, repent, and do. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Go back, take a step back, see where you've come from. Go back to God and examine your love for him and your love for one another. Repent, say sorry for the times in which we don't get it right and we don't love in the way which we're called to and do the things you did at first. Go back to the beginning and see what God wants from you. It's the calling for each one of us today. And the warning was given to the church we heard in this letter at Ephesus that actually I won't let you carry on any longer if you don't do this. And yet it seems strikingly, sadly, that it was ignored. And so Jesus was true to his word. The lamp was indeed removed and city and church have altogether vanished and so let the loveless church and the loveless christian beware in the words of 1 corinthians 13 if i have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if i have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love then i am nothing So let's take a moment or two now just to ponder these questions. I'm going to just have a little bit of quiet for a few minutes. Questions on the screen. Have you forsaken, have we forsaken our first love? Do you need to take the opportunity this Advent to devote yourself to Jesus? Are there members of your church family here that you have been unloving towards? And what's God asking you to do to make things right? And what is God saying to our church community about our love for him? So let's just consider those for a few moments now.
This letter is to the church in Pergamum, starting at verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamum write, These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin, so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, <clears throat> sorry. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears... Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Thank you. So if Ephesus was the New York of Asia, then Pergamum was the Washington, because it was there that Roman imperial power had its seat of government. And it also was where the earliest temple for the state-sponsored worship of the emperor was built. It was something that people were forced to do at that time, worship of the emperor. And maybe that's what's alluded to when um, the letter says about the throne of Satan. Maybe that's what that is. And here we hear the Lord addressing the church as he who has the sharp, double-edged sword. An image here of him being the administrator of divine justice. And again, this letter begins with the encouragement and acknowledgement of all they are as a church. It's a church that's in a very difficult place, physically as well. It's not an easy landscape in which to be a Christian. And yet they've stood fast. They've been faithful to Jesus, even through persecution. They've witnessed people killed for their faith. Antipas is named as one such martyr. And here are a people who have endured an awful lot for the name of Jesus, and yet have stood firm and are trying to do that. And with them, because of this, Jesus is pleased. But we hear, as with the previous letter, that he also has things against them. In short, this is a church where they're being influenced by the pressures of a lifestyle which is not of God. 
Balaam is mentioned, and so too are the Nicolaitans, groups of people who throughout history have led God's people into sin. And for some in this church, it's too much, and temptation and compromise are creeping in. And if we're honest, can we relate to this as this church, as Christians in this place, the pressures of things in our society which are not of God, the pressures that are all around us and so, many, so strong in so many ways, things that can be so seductive and alluring, things that we might even notice, not notice at first, and yet are not of God. Can we relate to this thought of a lifestyle which is not, it's neither totally committed to God nor totally denying him? Compromised by life's pressures, temptations, addictions, maybe being a good Christian on a Sunday but finding it more difficult at other times in the week, maybe amongst our family or in our workplace. Interestingly, The church in Pergamum is called to repent as a church community as a whole. I find that really striking. It seems to be something of this mutuality of a church together. It means that when one is not going all out for God, then actually it affects the whole. Actually, we're we're all not going out for God. And the whole church community is compromised. It's a really challenging thought for each one of us, I think, today. And from all of this and the encouragement and the challenge of this letter, we can surely learn that we don't want to be a church that simply endures, that stands firm. We want to be a church that's 100% committed to God and to the lifestyle that he calls us to. And to be that in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Some situations can be easy, but some situations can be really, really difficult to stand for what God wants and to be faithful to Jesus. And it's my prayer for each one of us that we'll have the strength to do that in whatever situation we find ourselves. And this letter ends with the promise to those who take notice of what's said that a precious gift will be theirs, nourishment from God and a new name. And I pray that promise for each one of us as well today. So finally, again, to end, just a few questions for us to ponder for a moment or two. What's stopping me, you, going all out for God? What things in life cause you to compromise in our commitment to Jesus? And what do you need to do to help our church community build a truly genuine and wholehearted relationship with Jesus? Let's have a think about those questions for a few moments now.